the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. On this week's episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast, Meryl and I are joined by Michael Wark, and he's coming to us all the way from Bali. So this is a really fun episode. He's going to be talking to us about transitioning from a typical office job to a fully 100% remote role. And if any of you listening have considered joining the remote workforce, or if you already have done it, you'll identify with some of the questions he had initially, and then some of the struggles and lessons that he had to go through in order to get comfortable working remotely. And you know, Michael has a really interesting background. He he has worked in the film industry. Like Merrill, he also enjoys surfing. And so we're going to go into how he was able to merge all of his interests and then also find a work-life balance when transitioning into a completely remote role. Some of you who work remotely know that initially it can feel very isolating and there are ways that you can avoid feeling very lonely when you work all by yourself from home all day every day. And Michael's going to give us some of his tips on how to do that and then also some tips for management. As an employee transitioning into that role, there were things that he would like to have seen um, maybe mentioned beforehand and some things he learned along the way that I think is useful for other members of management. So let's get right into the episode now with Meryl and Michael. Welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Powers, joined as always by Meryl Johnston. Meryl, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Elizabeth. I'm back on the Gold Coast after all of the travels and zero con and a bookkeeping firm owner's mastermind. And it's been a really interesting period or a month or so, but it's actually great to be home and be back settled into my usual routine. Yeah, I bet. It almost feels kind of foreign sitting in the office all day again after you've been out and about so much. Um, how was your your retreat this weekend? It was great. I'm part of two different masterminds, and this is a bookkeeping firm owner's mastermind. And so we got together after ZeroCon, a conference all about zero, and the mastermind retreat was, a, the main focus was debriefing from that event. And thinking about what we've learned and also what we can apply in our business. And and a lot of it is just sharing stories with other people who are doing similar things in the mm. industry. So it was great, Re- really nice to be around like-minded people. And I always come away from events like that full of ideas. Nice. Yeah. And so you did ZeroCon and Mastermind. So you've probably come back with a treasure trove of great ideas and and cool lessons that you're going to pass on to your team. So that is awesome. I'm sure your friends and family are glad to have you back home where you belong. Um, And speaking of kind of travel and your team, we've touched a little bit in the past on the fact that Bean Ninjas is a 100% remote employee company. So every one of your team members works remotely from wherever they choose to be, whether it's at home or a co-working space or a hotel if they're traveling. And today we have, I'm really excited about this because we're going to kind of do a deep dive on the remote experience from the perspective of one of your employees. Do you want to introduce him to everybody listening today? Yes. So we've got Michael Walk joining us today. And 
on the podcast previously, we've talked about what it's like running a remote team from my perspective as the business owner. But I thought it would be really interesting to get Michael on. He's got an interesting story and he's actually, well, I won't steal your thunder, Michael, but he's working from an interesting location right now. And I thought it'd be interesting to get the perspective from a remote worker about the pros, the cons, the challenges they face, and also any tips that Michael has for other remote workers. And I think this will provide a perspective, not only for people that are working remotely, but for other employers as well, about how they can create a remote working environment that is really productive, effective, and a happy place to work. Absolutely. There's no one better to tell you kind of what you need to prepare for and implement and how to face you know, how to be able to help your employees than one of the employees themselves. So, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now, Meryl mentioned that you're joining us from, you're not in Australia where she is. You're not in the U.S. where I am. So tell us where you are. Uh, I'm over in Bali in Indonesia at the moment. Awesome. Now, is that where you live full time or are you just traveling at the moment? Um, I wish, but no, no, I um. (laughs) I'm, I'm over here for a couple of months. So I got here a couple of weeks ago and I'm over here for like a two month um, stint over here to work and live and, and surf. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a sabbatical, I guess, a working sabbatical. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that's one of the things you hear remote um, employees talk about the most is that, you know, you can kind of travel and take in other parts of the world without having to take two months vacation because who can do that? So, so you're there kind of temporarily living and what kind of things are you obviously you're working while you're there but what else are you doing while you're there um so i've kind of i've managed to get myself a nice villa in changu which is kind of um a little bit north of seminyak i'm not sure if you've been here before but it's it's a beautiful spot surrounded by rice fields and they've got you know amazing food and i I surf so i've been managing to surf every morning and then and then work from a shared workspace here, which is which is awesome where you meet other like-minded people and then live. Yeah, it's it's great. It's just a it's a bit more of a settled experience than what you would do maybe if you were here for a week or two week holiday. So you kind of get to settle in a bit more and and soak it up. So it's awesome. Yeah, I kind of live like a local, which is what I always try to do when I travel. I don't want to do the touristy stuff. I want to live like I want to visit like I live there. Um, so let's get yeah. started talking a little bit about how you came to be on the Bean Ninjas team. Did you answer a job ad? I no, I didn't. I was working at um, a, a film production company in Sydney, and I get I'm a chartered accountant, similar to Merrill, and I get like there's a, a newsletter or like a magazine they publish called Acuity, and for some reason one afternoon I was reading it and I read an article about Merrill and Bean Ninjas. And um, it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. A lot of big picture things that have been kind of brewing in my head for a long time kind of really pinged when I read about Meryl and her story and what Bean Ninjas was. So I just, um, I got in contact and gave her a call and we had like a a series of phone calls over a few months and then kind of, you know, just the courting phase of like, what what would I be doing? What, how would it work? And where's Bean Ninjas going? And those kind of questions. Um, And yeah, and then ended up joining. Now you were before you joined Bean Ninjas. That that position you had with the film production company that was an actual show up to the office every day position, right? It was, yeah, yeah. So it was for a, a pretty. It was it was owned by a big American international movie studio. So it was it was a definitely it was a, it was a lovely workplace, but it was definitely more corporate 
set hours, same office. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of corporate roles prior to that as well, being in the, in the finance industry. I'm sure you can imagine sure. <laughs> most of them were like that. <laughs> yeah, they are. I had a brief stint at Bank of America, so I'm, a, I'm familiar with that world. And it is definitely its very own sort of subculture. So did you have any uh, previous remote uh, work experience before or was joining Bean Ninja your very first experience with that? Yeah, Bean Ninja was my first. It was my first dip in the dip my toes in the water. And how long have you been with Bean Ninjas now? Um, I, I started off doing a bit of part-time work in mm-hmm. kind of like June last year. Um, and then I joined, I finished up in my, my role at the previous company and kind of joined full-time in kind of September October last year. So a full year, roughly about a yeah. year now yeah. on board as a fully remote employee. Tell me about the transition. What what was it like initially? What misconceptions did you have about working remotely? Um, I, I think a, a lot of my a lot of my challenges early on were probably to do with, you know, in in the corporate setting, you've got the the normal office structure, you have to be there set hours and you go to the office and work. So a lot of it was to do with my own self-discipline and, and working out a structure and a routine where I was most productive um, because you don't have that external pressure of being somewhere or, or having someone tell you what to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's it was kind of, I was working out how I best worked and, and, and the times and also developing that self-discipline to do it and also kind of learning a new like I'd, I'd never learned zero until I joined Bean Ninja. So learning a new program and and kind of those kind of challenges were probably the, the main things for me um, initially, along with the amazing freedom that you get. <laughs> it's a it's a you know, it's a double edged sword. That freedom is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, you kind of you have that freedom, but you also need to find times where you're disciplined as well. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about some tools or practices that you implemented to help you with structuring that freedom? Because I, I do hear that a lot. I've worked remotely for about five or six years now. Um, and I found the same that I kind of had to define a space in my home. That was my workspace. I had to set myself on a schedule, even though my job didn't require me to you know, clock in at a certain hour. I had to give myself some sort of schedule. And it took me a really long time to find tools that would help me with that. What process did you go through and what did you find that worked for you to kind of help you rein in that freedom so that you weren't, you know, getting the wrong, the wrong edge of that sword, so to speak? Yeah, it's uh, very, probably very similar to your journey through that. Um, initially started just working from a spare room at my house, um, but then tried to kind of put on a different clothes but after I woke up and tricked myself into thinking I was going to work or just you know go for a bike ride around a bay near my where I live just to kind of get out before I started work um, and then that transitioned into actually getting a few days a week getting a, a shared workspace near my house um, I live in Sydney so kind of not too far away a nice little shared workspace so I work there three days a week to kind of break up the week as well mm-hmm. which I've, I found really helpful um, so those kind of things helped as well um and then also just little techniques about in the day about starting early um and then just having a set goal a set number of hours per day and kind of hitting that and then being okay with it um because some of the challenges i found say if you you get up and then you don't you don't leave your house and you start work 
and you work all the way through the day and you haven't left the house all day. It's a really surreal experience sitting on the lounge that night just going, what? It just happened. <laughs> I'm laughing so, because I do that all the time, like I'm in my pajamas yeah. all day long. And sometimes, honestly, if I'm working on a on a project that has an intense deadline, I mean, it might be three days before I've even walked outside. And then I'm like, I walk out after the third or fourth day and I'm like, whoa, I need to get this under control. Like, this is the first time I've seen the sun in 72 hours. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like humans are tribal creatures, right? We, we, we thrive on social interaction. So even if it was just going to the coffee shop on top of my street and just having a chat to them and um, just breaking it up with, with something is kind yeah. of important to me. And I also found I couldn't really, sometimes it was harder to switch off if I hadn't broken up my day and, and segregated it. Um, you'd be, I'd be sitting there watching like the news at of an evening and, and still thinking about work and just because, you know, your office is still within viewing distance of where you're sitting. <laughs> so it's been able to switch on and switch off productively is probably the two Everyone has different tricks and routines and there's so many on the internet people can find, but it's just about finding the ones that work for you and your routine, I guess. Absolutely. And you hit on an important point too, which is kind of your existing tribe or community relationships that you have in your personal life. How have those helped you and what changes, if any, have you had to make? I mean, like you said, for one, kind of getting out, going to a coffee shop, just being around other human being some days kind of, you know, grounds you or kind of gets you centered back to, you know, remembering your life and, and that there is something to do all day besides just work morning till night. But what other things have you learned about sort of addressing the isolation? Because I know a lot of people are initially a little worried about remote work because they think, oh my gosh, I don't want to be alone all day. That just sounds so lonely. <laughs> How have you addressed that? How have you been able to kind of deal with it? Um. So I guess probably the main one would be the working from a, a shared workspace a few days a week was something that I found useful for me. Um, but also within Bee Ninjas ourselves, like we have weekly calls set up, recurring weekly calls with most of the other team members to chat about work. And you, there's also obviously a portion of chit chat at the start just to see how people are. So there's a we kind of link with, within all of our team within Bee Ninjas. So you still kind of um, manufacture that office environment. You don't run into each other at the kitchen getting a cup of tea, but you, have, you get a notification for a call. So you pop on a call there and, and, and chat. Um, and then also, you know, just go see your friends and family, you know, whatever else you've got. But <laughs> right. Kind of make a conscious the, effort. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really liked, I tried working from home full time, but I really enjoyed going to a shared workspace or somewhere with a bit more energy, um, just a few days to kind of, to break it up for me. And Meryl, I know that you obviously are very in touch with your team. And in one of our recent episodes, I think it was last week, you mentioned that, you know, if someone was having an issue or if there was something on a process that they disagreed with, you'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with them. And I know that you've had lots of conversations with Michael about his experience. What are some questions you have for him today that that you know would be great for other people who are either considering hiring remote workers or people who are considering taking in taking on a remote role? So there's a couple of things that Michael's actually been talking about here that I wanted to dig into a little bit further. So one of the things we talked about was switching off and how do you transition from a workday into then home mode 
when you're working remotely and especially if you're working from home. And, Michael, you touched on a couple of things. So you mentioned in the morning you put on your work clothes and then that you're working from a shared workspace a few days a week. Do you have any other tips for other people who are who are working remotely around what they can do to finish work and then actually be in home mode and not be worrying or thinking about work or working all the way into the evening? I, I, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, again, there's lots of this stuff on the internet, so you can you can pick and choose what you like. But the things that have worked for me personally, um, a big one is having a shower and getting a cha getting changed a change of clothes at the end of the day as well. Um, it's just just kind of having a shower and, and putting on more relaxed attire obviously relaxes you and kind of helps you switch off. The other one was having set hourly goals for the day as well, so at least you kind of have an endpoint. Um, so then when you feel like you've hit that, you can put the tools down and, and be happy with your contribution for the day. So you don't want to constantly keep going back. Um, and also part of that is managing other people's expectations and managing your client's expectations about when you are available and when you're not. Because if you start answering emails at all weird times of the day, they expect that. So you need to you need to define your boundaries. Um, and, and I also like to do like get out, get out of the house or go for a bike ride or go for a run and, and kind of get out about or see, see friends and family. So just all that normal human stuff we do. But yeah, for me having the set hours and also having a shower and get a change of clothes and putting on some, some different tunes and, and relaxing. Yeah, you've made some great points there. And I think really having that transition and knowing that you are in, in home mode and having goals about what you want to achieve and knowing when you have achieved them, then you can relax. And something that works for me is having something scheduled in the evening. So if I know that I'm going to a yoga class that starts at 5.30, then during the day I know I've got that deadline and I need to get all of the work done within that time frame and then off to yoga and then home. This probably leads into another question for you, which is related to Peak Persona, which is a productivity and I'd say almost mindset challenge that a number of us in the team have completed. So I've been through the program twice now. Wayne's actually doing his his second run through and I asked him a few questions when he was on the podcast recently. Could you, Michael, could you describe a little bit about what the 30-day shift is within the Peak Persona Challenge and then just a couple of takeaways from your perspective that you've implemented in your own life from that program? Yeah, it's uh, so it's a, it's a 30 day kind of challenge and each day you get a, an email and you've got a, a new challenge for that day. Um, and they're all tools and tips and techniques about trying to be a more productive, happy human. You know, most of it, it makes sense, but it gives you the structure and it also gives you the accountability because you've got a Slack channel that you need to get up every morning and say hello to everyone in. Um, it gives you that accountability, which is important every day to get up and, and try these new tools and techniques. And I, I don't want to go too much into maybe all of them. I'll let the people, if they're interested, try it out, try out the program. But a lot of it makes sense. It's kind of you've, you've heard it before. It's like getting up early, it's exercising, it's drinking lots of water, but doing it concurrently and developing it into your routine is probably the most powerful part of it. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's 30 new tools and tricks and you may not, 
cement every third, each of them, but I found there's a few key ones that I talk and can use recurringly. And then, you know, when you fall out of your routine, you can go back and review it and see what else might work for you. And what time are you getting up now after having completed the program? <laughs> so before the program, it's pre-dawn, which is which is savage. Um, I haven't found that that works the best for me. Um, so since being here in Bali, I'm, I'm trying to get up and get go for a surf before I start work. So I've been getting up at like 5.45, 6, and then being in the water at 6.30 and having a surf for an hour. So still early, like 5.45 is still decent, but it's not. Like 4.45 is, is savage. <laughs> you get all the credit uh, in the world for 5.45. That's pretty early. <laughs> and yeah. I, think also, I think ultimately the program is about testing all of these different strategies and then working out what works for you. And I don't think 4.45 is going to work for everyone. So it's more about testing all of these different tools and then figuring out your own routine and what works best. So I think from most people's perspective, 5.45 still sounds like a pretty early early start and a good way to start the day. Yeah, so definitely. We have also talked a little bit about the team meetings that we have at Be Ninjas and the way that it might be a little bit different from walking into an office and sitting down and having a meeting face-to-face. And we recently also recorded a podcast episode on training and an element of that episode was digging into how training can be different when you're working remotely and some of the things that you may need to do differently. So did you want to just talk a little bit? I know that you've been trained. So there's when you first came on board, you worked quite closely with Colleen, one of our senior accountants. And then you've also been on the other side of that and were a buddy to Jane when she was a new team member. So did you want to talk a little bit about how you ran the meetings when you were a buddy and any insight from the other side of that, meetings that you've had with Colleen or other team members when you've been trained on particular skills or areas of the business? Uh, yeah, sure. So I guess the initial um, experience was, yeah, getting trained by Colleen, who was amazing and, and really knowledgeable and, and she was really understanding of my, um, you know, learner status with especially with zero when we were beginning um and she, and she was amazing so we used to have regular um calls scheduled weekly but she was also available on slack like our messaging channel um as and when things came up and so the the amazing things that i got out of that experience with Cole, and then i tried to um pass on to jane i guess was uh, for me it was the, the key things were in a normal office environment when you're especially when you're beginning a role, there's just an element of like silly little questions that still hold you up, but aren't like big picture, crucial structure kind of things. So you feel a little bit silly messaging someone about them, but I just, I made it clear to Jane initially that <clears throat> no question's too silly and that all of these things are part of learning and creating that environment where people are happy just to shoot your message on Slack and be like, hey, I know this is silly, but what is this and this and, and kind of, having a more casual dialogue i guess in a way so it's it's not so you don't feel like you're interrupting the other person the whole time and but then also having the calls to elaborate and then also i would just when i was getting trained collaborate my list of silly questions and then also some important ones on there and then go through them on the call as well so there's 
I guess different ways. Is that what you meant about training, Meryl? Yeah, it is. So I think that's given some insight both on how you thought about being trained by Colleen and what worked there. And then also I think you raised an important point about when you were working with Jane, letting her know that those silly questions, it's actually fine to ask those in an office environment. It would be, you would not have a problem just tapping the, the person next to you, but it's about making new team members feel welcome and feel comfortable. And I think I remember, you did you also record some Loom videos for Jane? And do you want to talk a little bit about the, the way that we use Loom videos and um, standard operating procedures within the business? Yeah, yeah, they're super handy. Um, so Loom, for those who don't know, is, is kind of just a screen sharing and recording program that we use that you can you can also kind of include your face as well down the bottom. So it's a little bit more personalized. Um, you feel like you're getting a personalized tutorial on, on how to do something. It's awesome. Um, and obviously with those, you can get a lot more information across than you would in an email. And emails are so much more time consuming to craft and construct. So um, that we built on those learning videos about how to do a certain step in a various procedure for either a client or you know just how to access all of the software that we use as well because for me especially coming on as a remote worker one of the big challenges was getting my head around the suite of apps and logins and messaging and video and gee like there was so many I was used to a corporate environment where you've got your your Outlook email and you've got your finance program and you've got maybe one or two other things but just the all of that, that world that you have to absorb um so creating videos for those and and then recently over, over the course of the last kind of six to eight months we've been developing all of those into a, a standard operating procedure manual and so each procedure now has a loom video attached to it and then we've also um gotten that written down and loaded that into a program called sweet process so now we kind of have it all in stone so to speak but it, obviously it will change as as the programs and the procedures change. So it was, yeah, it was just a, it was just a handy, um, it's just a really handy manual to have. So then we don't have to keep repeating those things because all the silly questions that I had initially when I started, I'm sure um, the people behind me will also possibly have. So it's good to answer those once and first and give people a, a reference point to, to check before they um, ask another team member. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Michael. Elizabeth, did you have any other questions that you wanted to chat with Michael about? Yeah, I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit. We talked about um, you're currently located in Bali and you're spending a couple of months there. That's kind of, like I said, it's one of the big perks of remote work. So I'm curious to know where do you want to go next? Where will you be working from if we talk to you again next year or in six months? <laughs> um, um, sky's the limit. Uh, but I, I, I really, at the moment, I think I really, for the past couple of years, I've managed to wrangle a couple of months away each year. So I still like having a home base and I still love having that, that deeper connection to friends and family where I'm from. But I also love going away for a few months. So I'd probably like earmark a couple of months next year, um, probably for New Zealand. There's a surf spot over there called Raglan that I'd love to live and work from for a little while. Um, and, and also I have to consider, because a lot of our team's Australian and people I interact with, it's nice to be on a, an Australian time zone. So New Zealand would fit perfectly. Nice. And I've never been there. So it's it's a bit embarrassing that I've 
gotten to where I am and I still been in New Zealand. So that's probably top of the list. And I'd also love to go to, um, there's a spot when I was backpacking a few years ago, I went to called Santa Teresa in Costa Rica. And I really want to go back there. It's, it's paradise. That sounds but awesome. But that's in a different time zone. Yeah, that's, that, that's perfect for you. You're in, you're, where are you? You're in the States, right? Yeah, so I was going to say, don't feel bad about not having been to New Zealand because I live in Florida and I've never been to the Florida Keys. So, really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of the, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's about like an eight or nine hour drive from where I am. And I'm just, you can put me on a plane all day and all night and I'm fine, but put me in a car for more than two hours and I want to pull my hair out. Like I just can't do the car thing. So even if I flew to Miami for a 45-minute drive, you pretty much are in the car from there for a good three hours or so to get to the Keys. And I'm just like, no, if I'm going to be in, in a vehicle of some sort for three hours, I want to, like, cross an ocean or you know, go further from from where I'm at than, than the Keys. So don't feel bad. Fair yeah, but I want to ask you one last question, too, about travel. How do you feel it benefits your work to get out and see these countries and cities you've never been in and really kind of immerse yourself in the cultures does it affect your job is it a positive um something you can really put your finger on that that gives you a positive result uh i, I guess in a general nature it gives you more of a global outlook right you you meet people from all around the world and you get different perspectives about how people live and work and what they're interested in so being able to relate to people from around the world is really important especially at being ninjas because we have clients from all around the world and who travel so being able to connect with people on on that level is obviously very important, but also, especially being here, where I'm working from um, a shared workspace here in Changu called the Dojo, there's so many people from around the world kind of living that digital nomad existence and hearing what they do and what makes them tick and just like, you know, apps that they're using and, and all those little things that you kind of learn about, I think is, is awesome. So it, it all definitely feeds into the bigger picture. But um, I'm not sure if I had to, like, track my productivity and how it affects it. I'm not sure if I could give you a direct link, but I think it definitely helps. Yeah, no, that was the answer I was looking for. So, Meryl, do you have <laughs> any other questions for Michael before we close? No, I don't. I think it's been great having Michael on the episode and sharing some of his tips about what works and, and also the challenges related to working remotely. And um, catch a few waves for me in Bali, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. Yeah, it's like six foot overhead this morning, so it'll be interesting. <laughs> wow. Just stay awesome. alive. Well, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you inviting me on. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Meryl. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you right back here next week. All right. See you later. it for this week's episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Thank you everyone for listening in week to week as you always do. We're really happy to have you here. Don't forget to send us any questions you have for our guests or for Meryl or for myself. You can tweet those to us at Bean Ninjas. You can also like us on Facebook, comment on episodes and send in questions that you have for us there on our Facebook page, Bean Ninjas. And then don't forget to check out the blog every week, beanninjas.com slash blog to get a lot of great information, new advice and tips, best practices from Meryl and everyone else on her team. Thank you again for joining us. Come right back next week here on the Bean Ninjas podcast. Mm-hmm.